Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horniman, aka the Thyroid Fixer, functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone and health related in order to empower, educate and transform you. So if you're ready to get your life back, let's get started. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. I want to talk to you today about eating with Hashimoto's because that's a huge question that I receive from obviously my patients because we go over that during our meeting. It's a key component, but also many of my listeners. And I know there's a ton of confusion out there around what should I eat? How should I eat if I have Hashimoto's, if I have a thyroid problem? So we're going to just break this down and I'm hoping this gives you enough nuggets so that you can take it away and actually apply this to your life. First of all, with Hashimoto's, we know it's an autoimmune condition. We know it's autoimmune and we know with autoimmune that you should be gluten-free. Now, some people out there will tell you, that you don't have to be gluten-free. It doesn't really matter. I'm going by science that shows molecular mimicry, meaning when you eat gluten, it actually looks like the thyroid gland. So your soldiers that you have when you have Hashimoto's, they go out and they beat up your thyroid. Your soldiers are going to go out and they are going to attack your thyroid gland when you eat gluten. So every time you eat gluten, those soldiers are like, hey guys, there's an invader coming in. Let's go get it. Let's go get this guy. And they go out and they literally attack the gluten molecule itself and your thyroid gland because they are so similar in structure. Just be gluten-free. Come on. It's not that hard these days. Do not even tell me that you can't or you won't because that just means you're deciding to not make the effort and you're choosing to remain sick. It is not that hard, especially these days. Now, do I recommend going totally all gluten-free foods, like replacing everything in your refrigerator and your cabinets with a gluten-free version? No, I recommend eating actually real food. But if you need to go with the quote-unquote gluten-free versions of foods for a while as a crutch to get you going, then by all means do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Use your gluten-free pasta. Use your gluten-free crackers. And then transition into maybe making some more things yourself and just keeping the gluten out. There is no such thing as a gluten deficiency. So you're going to be okay not eating gluten. I promise you that. So that's the Hashimoto's component. Now, if we kind of umbrella this and we say Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, 
when you have a low functioning thyroid, then nine times out of 10, you're going to have insulin resistance with that. And we've talked a ton on this podcast about insulin resistance. You can go back and listen to an episode where I deep dive into it. But in a nutshell, in a nice little overview, we want your insulin, your fasting insulin blood marker to be below a six. I want your A1C between a 4.8 and really a 5.1. And I want your fasting glucose is to always be in the 80s and 90s, really below 90 is optimal. If any of those markers are off, then you have insulin resistance. And what does that mean for you? That means that you are in a fat storage mode. So one of the things that we are dealing with with a low functioning thyroid is weight gain and the inability to lose weight. Many of you experience this. Some of you don't and you're lucky, but many of you do. And when that is present, when, when that low thyroid function is present and you have that insulin resistant component with it, that is the double whammy to your metabolism. You are literally a fat storing machine. You're not a fat burning machine. You are a fat storing machine. And actually, did you know that there are some studies that show that they actually measured the insulin response of people that were insulin resistant? And I always joke about this, about looking sideways at a brownie, right? You look sideways at a brownie and you gain 10 pounds. Turns out that's not untrue. So they took a group of people and they actually had them experience food without eating it. So the smells of the pizza and the chocolate chip, fresh baked cookies. And that was enough visually and, and using their sense of smell, stimulating their sense of smell. That was enough to trigger a blood glucose spike and thus an insulin spike in these people. So there is some truth in looking sideways at a brownie makes you gain weight if you're insulin resistant. So with that insulin resistance, what do we know? And I always say this to every one of my patients, your blood work will tell me how you should eat. So if you break out your labs and you are looking at that, and we're just talking insulin right now, look at the insulin, look at the A1C, look at your glucose. If any of those markers are off, guess what? You have to be low carb. This is not a fad. This is not me pushing keto. This is not me pushing paleo. This is not me pushing anything except the fact that biology says you have to be low carb because if you are insulin resistant and you are eating carbohydrates of any kind, I don't care if it's fruit. I don't care if it's a great carb. I don't care if it's a sweet potato. If you are eating carbohydrates, then your blood sugar is going to spike. Your insulin is not going to be able to push the nutrients into the cell like it needs to, because those doors are closed on your cell. And that excess insulin, it's like the Jekyll and Hyde hormone. We need it for life, but too much of it, it is fat storing like bananas. So if you want to continue gaining weight, then by all means, keep your insulin up. If you want to age quickly and possibly get cancer and Alzheimer's, by all means, keep pounding them carbs and keep your insulin high because you will be on the fast track to fatness, memory loss, and cancer. So there you go. Your labs tell us how you should eat. By bringing down those carbohydrates and bringing down your insulin, you are improving your overall inflammation. So again, people come up to me, they're like, well, don't you always tell people to do keto? I don't know. I do keto. Many of my patients do who are insulin resistant, or at least they're doing some form of keto, like a low carb or cyclic keto, but I'm not pushing keto, but if you need it, you need it. Bottom line. So if you're insulin resistant and you come to me, I'm not going to tell you to, to all of a sudden be vegan because that doesn't even work. That's way too many carbohydrates 
in any kind of eating regimen whatsoever with vegan, it's way too low in protein. I'm not going to tell you to do something that you shouldn't be doing. Look at your labs. Your labs tell you how you should eat. Look at that protein marker. If your protein is less than a 7.0, you're not getting in enough protein. There you go. Are you getting in eight, a minimum, minimum of 80 to 100 grams of protein? Really optimal is one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Again, I've talked in previous podcasts about the importance of protein. It is metabolically active, so it's going to help you burn fat. It's going to help with your hair loss that you're experiencing from being hypohashi. So that hair thinning, that hair loss, that is dependent on amino acids. Where do we find amino acids? In animal-based products, in animal-based protein. That's your meat, your chicken, your poultry, your fishes, your eggs, all of that animal-based protein. It's not in tofu. It's not in fake meat. It's not in Beyond Burgers. It's not in beans, legumes, edamame, or any soy crappy-ass protein powder, pea, plant-based protein powder. It is in animal-based sources. That is where you are getting the building blocks for your hair the building blocks for your muscle. What do we know about muscle? It is metabolically active. So when we feed our muscles, what, what the muscles need to not only grow, but just to maintain. So I'm going to talk about catabolism here in a second, but when we feed our muscles just to maintain and possibly to grow that sexy lean muscle that is more metabolically active, we need protein to do that. And did you know that endurance athletes actually do not need carbohydrates. I'm going to be talking to Debbie Potts. She's a low carb athlete. Very, very soon. We're doing a joint podcast coming up and we're going to deep dive into this because I really want an expert speaking on this and not just coming from me, but yes, you do not need carbohydrates to do any kind of exercise. And actually many professional bodybuilders, many professional endurance athletes are using ketones by eating low carb. They're using the ketones that are produced from living that kind of lifestyle as a better fuel because our brains actually prefer ketones over glucose for fuel. So your brain will work better. That's why when you fast, you actually improve your, your brain function. You can concentrate, you can focus, you're more sharp. Many people will fast before they get on stage for a big presentation. The dudes in Silicon Valley will fast because they're working on all kinds of computer stuff that I can't wrap my mind around, but God love them for doing so. You want those ketones on many different occasions, including in endurance athlete, endurance races, or even just you're going to the gym to throw some weights around. You do not have to pound your body with carbohydrates. Totally got off track there. Let me circle back. Protein. If you're not getting in enough protein, so we usually say one gram per pound of lean body weight. So listen, if you're 200 pounds and you want to lose 50 pounds to get to your ideal body weight, then eat 150 grams of protein. You don't have to eat 200 grams of protein, but at least eat 150 grams of protein because that protein is giving you a better metabolism. It is feeding your muscles and it's actually improving many other functions in the body as all of our cells need amino acids and need protein. Now I, I have a very special episode. I keep referring back to other podcasts of mine, but I have one called the only thing worse than a vegetarian is a vegan. And that is not to offend my vegetarians and vegans out there, but that is to give you some food for thought. I was going to say meat to chew on, but wow, there you go. Food for thought in that is your lifestyle, is your choice of eating, if it's not based in religion, which I completely understand, 
if you are choosing to do a vegan or vegetarian diet because of health purposes, are you sure about the sources of information that led you to that decision? Because I would like to question some of them. Just because one or two people happen to do a plant-based diet and feel that they improve their health somewhere and are protecting their heart or blah, 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 whatever BS they spew out of their mouths. Have you looked at the science? Do you know what your body actually needs? Do you know what proteins are made up of and what is required by the body at every cell level for your body to function properly? It's called amino acids. And it's funny, if you're listening to this, uh, my dear, you're going to know who I'm talking about, but I just spoke with a patient the other day who purchased a product. I won't mention the, the product's name because I don't want to poo-poo anybody, but it, it, it was an amino acid product in capsulated form that made some pretty, pretty bold claims. They made the claim that there are 30 grams of protein in six little bitty capsules of their amino acid product. Now, that is not bioavailable protein. And when you really look at the wording and you look at what their claims are, you know, at first, listen, she believed it. She's like, well, I'm vegan. And so I am getting my protein through this amino acid product. And this is giving me 30 extra grams of protein. No, it's not. No, it's not. When we broke it all down, it ended up being about one gram of protein of actual bioavailable protein per capsule. It was just a lot of basically mumbo jumbo marketing BS from this particular company to rope you in. You want to get the real animal-based sources of protein. I have no problem with you supplementing with amino acids because amino acids are great. I take them during my workout. I take them after my workout. I do believe that they help feed your muscle, they help feed your hair. Fantastic. But you cannot count an amino acid supplement as a protein source or as a complete protein source. You really want those animal-based protein sources for your diet. And you want one gram per pound of body weight. If you can't get that, I, I want you minimal 80, minimal 80. Because here's what happens. Your heart actually needs, and this is where that protein comes in of all cell processes in the body. Your heart needs 50 grams of protein to beat. If you're not getting in 50 grams of protein, where is your body going to steal it from? Your hair, your skin, your muscles is going to break that down. That's why when you go to Whole Foods, I'm going to pull in this analogy again. Many of you have heard this and, and I just bust on Whole Foods, but I love Whole Foods. But listen, when you, when you, when you go to the, like the co-op, right? And you got a bunch of vegan hippies working at the co-op, their hair is all thin and stringy. Maybe they're skinny, but they're like a skinny fat. They have no muscle tone, or maybe they're just overweight and they are rocking their veganism. But it's not a healthy state of being. And I will argue that till the day I die. So if a vegan or vegetarian wants to come on my show and have a debate, I welcome it. You can email me. I will sit here all day long and battle the benefits of a protein-based, animal protein-based diet and how much protein the body actually needs that there is no way in hell you can get from any kind of fake meat plant-based source. Okay. All right. Moving on, moving on fats. When we're looking at fats and I'm giving you all this information so you can build your own, you notice that there's not really one way. I'm not giving you 
you know, okay, you have to be under 50 grams of carbohydrates. You have to be under 20 grams of carbohydrates. You have to be under the grams of carbohydrates after you pull out the garbage processed foods and the gluten. You have to be under the amount of carbohydrates that will actually allow your insulin to come down below a six and allow your, ins- your A1C to come down between a 4.8 and a 5.1. If you have to get a continuous glucose monitor to do so, to make sure that your blood sugar is not spiking over and over again throughout the day, then get one. I'm, I'm waiting for my very glucose monitor to come. We can put a link in the show notes for you guys to get 20% off of a very, if you want to join me in my, my CGM trial, I'm really interested to see what foods in particular, and even some low carb keto foods, even things like stevia and monk fruit. I'm very interested to see what those do to my glucose levels. I want to see what stress does, lack of sleep. I want to see what my workouts do because I know that you get a glucose spike after a workout. So I'm going to be wearing my very, and I will report back to you. But basically you want to keep your carbohydrates under whatever amount allows you to get into a state of fat burning and stop running on sugar all the time. When it comes to fat, and this is where people get really confused and I'll get questions like, well, how many grams of fat should I put in? Or I'll get comments that say, well, I gained weight on keto. And I think the problem when people really dive into the keto space, low carb keto space, is that they purposely add in fat. So that's where they're they're adding in the heavy whipping cream to the coffee, they're adding in butter, they're adding in just so much fat that you tend to overdo it. So the, the consumption of fat is almost forced and it's not coming naturally. When you consume that much fat, there's a point, there's a tipping point with the body. So while a calorie is not a calorie, and it's not, there is no way a calorie is a calorie because if it was, I could give you 1200 calories of Teddy grams, or I could give you 3000 calories of grass fed steak and some veggies and olive oil and olives and a little bit of grass fed cheese, maybe some keto ice cream made with keto chow, right? I can give you all of that and you're not going to gain weight, but you are going to gain a massive amount of weight if you eat 1200 calories of 10 grams every day because of what that food does in your body. Once it gets in your body, is it creating inflammation? Is it spiking your glucose? Is it spiking your insulin? Are you in a fat storage mode or are you in a fat burning mode? So a calorie is not a calorie, but when it comes to fat, if you are taking in 4,000 calories in fat because you're trying to add all this fat to push yourself into ketosis, that can absolutely work against you. So you want fat to come in naturally. You don't want to avoid it. Get out of the 80s. <laughs> Get rid of your snack well, fat-free cookies, right? Get rid of the skim milk that we all fall prey to back then. And you want to let the fat come in naturally. So when you're eating a grass-fed steak, when you take a piece of that grass-fed cheese, that grass-fed Kerrygold cheddar cheese, when you're using olive oil and Kerrygold butter to cook your veggies in, when you're drizzling olive oil on your salad, when you're eating salmon, when you're eating some, I don't know, almond butter, when you're making your, your keto treats and that has fat in it, that fat is coming in naturally. You're not avoiding it. You're not forcing it. And that really is kind of that sweet spot with eating fat. It's right in that coming in naturally arena. And it might be, you might take in hundred grams of fat and that's okay. Because when you are taking in that good fat, 
You are giving your body the good fat that every single cell needs. So your mitochondria is made up of a lipid layer. Lipids mean fat. So with that lipid layer that is very, very protective of the cell itself, we need to eat fat to have our cell protection in place. And we also know that cholesterol derived from fat is necessary for the production of hormones. So if you are low in testosterone, which many of you are, males and females alike, you want to make sure that you are getting in that healthy, good fat like olive oil, coconut oil, avocados, avocado oil, the grass-fed meats, the salmons, the omega-3s, all of that, let that come in naturally and let that nourish your body, protect yourself and help you to produce hormones. You know, the problem we see in men with these statins being given out like candy, we see this demasculinization of men. And yes, that is a lot of the chemicals in our food raising estrogen levels in men, but it is also the use of statins pushing cholesterol so low that testosterone levels drop. And usually when testosterone levels drop in men, their adiposity increases. So their belly fat increases, they gain weight, they lose motivation. And then naturally their estrogen will rise over time. So you show me a man with low testosterone, I'll show you a man that's going to have high estrogen eventually if he doesn't already. Avoidance of fat is not beneficial. And we kind of learned that after the 80s, but yet many of you are still stuck in the 80s and 90s way of thinking where let's avoid fat at all costs. Let's do fat free. And all we did was replace it with carbohydrates. So the world got fatter as we avoided fat. I actually, I did a, a presentation, gosh, years ago, years ago. And I showed a graph that actually shows the increase in obesity with the increase in fat-free products. So as the American Heart Association came out, I think it was 1977, and that they came out and they said, guess what? Fat is bad. Uh, okay, it's not, but thanks. And then everybody ran out and started avoiding fat and fat-free and margarine, remember that? Margarine, animals won't even eat margarine because it's basically plastic. So all of that came out and we can see a trend of these fat-free recommendations, low fat recommendations with an increase in obesity, hundred percent. Moving on to beverages. And along with that increase in obesity, we can also draw a line as that line increases with obesity. And we know obesity is on the rise. Like I always say, go to Disney, go to an amusement park, go to Walmart, go to the mall, sit there. Just sit there, sit there for 20 minutes. I want you to count the amount. Don't count the fat people because they're going to be a lot of them. I want you to count the amount of fit people that you see. Literally fit, not skinny fat. I want you to count the amount of fit, in shape, healthy individuals that you see. It's going to be on one hand. The other thing that we can see is an increase in obesity with the increased amount of Starbucks. Boom. How about that? Starbucks has now brought us frappuccinos, cappuccinos, double lattes, frothy this, frothy that, added whipped cream, double whipped cream. Those drinks that you get from Starbucks are basically a day's worth of food, not protein, just a day's worth of calories. So there's another calories in calories out model for you. 
I can give you two Starbucks drinks per day, or I could give you a crap ton of good food. You're going to gain weight on the Starbucks drinks. This is a very funny story from one of my colleagues. He was in Starbucks and he literally heard a woman on the phone. How ironic on the phone talking, saying, well, girl, I don't know. I just can't lose these last 10 pounds. I just don't know. I need to lose some weight. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh yeah. Uh, my order is going to be uh, a double uh, cappuccino frappuccino with um, extra whipping cream. Thanks. Oh yeah, girlfriend. I don't know why I'm not losing it. Really? Like the, the irony of that whole situation cracks me up, but how about start there? How about get a black coffee? I'm going to get a latte with maybe some almond milk. Do that. Start there. Don't drink your calories. And here's where I'm saying the C word. I'm saying the C word calories. Do not drink your calories. So are you grabbing up here in the, what am I, Northeast Pennsylvania? We say pop. You guys say soda. We say pop. So if you're drinking a pop and it's a sugar laden one, then you're drinking your calories and you're drinking your sugar and you're drinking more sugar in one can than I consume in a week. But what if you get the sugar-free kind, the diet? What if you get the diet pop, the diet soda, the diet Snapple? Well, then you're getting into the artificial sweetener. So acesulfame, potassium, aspartame, and sucralose. Those are the three biggies, the pink, the blue, and the yellow. All of those are known endocrine disruptors. So here you are with your hypothyroidism, your Hashimoto's, probably some insulin resistance and hormone dysregulation too, all encompassing the endocrine system. And you are taking in things that disrupt the endocrine system on one hand, and you're complaining about how you're dysregulated and nobody will help you and your thyroid's not optimized on the other. You're contributing. I'm not saying that you're the sole source of your issue because you're not, you need a good doctor. You need to be on proper thyroid hormone treatment. You need probably hormone replacement. You need to be optimized. Yes. But don't be over here making the situation worse by consuming artificial sweeteners because they are known endocrine disruptors. There's a very interesting study that I've alluded to a couple of different times. I think it helps to hear this multiple times. They took two groups of people changing nothing else. Diet did not change, exercise did not change. Nothing changed except one group got diet pop, the other group got regular pop. Both groups gained weight, the diet pop group gained more weight because of the endocrine disruption from the artificial sweeteners in it. They gained more weight than drinking 34 grams of sugar in a can. There said zero, zero calories, zero carbs, zero sugar, zero, 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 zero. But they gained weight because of the endocrine disruption that happened with the artificial sweeteners. Okay, so if we look at the body as a whole, with or without thyroid disease, what do our bodies want to run? Our bodies need protein and amino acids. Our bodies need fat because of the cell lipid layer. Our bodies actually do not need carbohydrates. They are not a required source of fuel. You can 100% survive without them. You will not survive without protein because your heart will eventually shut down. Well, first you'll look like a contestant on Survivor as your muscles basically eat away at themselves. So they're going to catabolize. And then you will eventually die. Without fat, you will absolutely lose all of your hair. Your muscles will not be happy. Your cells will not be happy. And it will be a long, slow death, but you cannot avoid fat either. 
you could go your entire life without carbohydrates and be completely fine. That's just people in general, whether you have a thyroid problem or not, just some food for thought of what is actually required to go into your body for survival. And then there's water. So let's just talk about water. People don't really talk about drinking water enough, right? If you are not drinking enough water, you are not going to burn body fat, period, end of story. You might want to track it for a while. You might want to actually count. I always say, do the water challenge, get a gallon jug of water and just drink from that all day long and see where you are at the end of that day. See where you are, because if that is only three quarters of the way, if that is three quarters of the way full, you're really screwed. If it's only halfway, then you're, you're, you're on the right track, but you probably need to work at it a little more. I want to see three quarters of that gallon gone or the whole gallon gone. That is going to nourish your cells. That's going to help every function in your body function better, every cell function better. And it's absolutely going to help you burn fat without that water. It's like trying to run a car on fumes. It's not going to work. You need that water coming in to flush things out, to keep your kidneys going, to support your system and to burn body fat. So that is one key component. It's one of those simple things that you can look at, you can do, you can implement, and that's going to help you burn fat too. Because I know many of you listening, and I'm not just focusing on losing weight because that's the whole topic of the pie. It's not, but it's a huge component when you have a thyroid problem. I was there. I was 25 plus pounds heavier when my thyroid wasn't optimized. And yes, I still needed to get optimized. I still need a proper thyroid and hormone treatment. But if I wasn't doing the things over here in the nutrition space and what I put in my mouth didn't change, then no amount of thyroid hormone replacement treatment would help. And it's kind of funny, even just working with patients and really digging into when they're like, well, I need more thyroid medication. I need more thyroid medication. We need to change this up. I need more T3. And I go, well, what are you eating? What are you eating? You, you popping in a granola. Oh yeah, I'm just, just a granola bar because I, I was really in a hurry and I need it in the morning. All right. Well, that's a huge amount of sugar. It's a huge amount of carbohydrates. I don't know whether it's gluten-free or not. There's no such thing as gluten-free oats, by the way. So that alone can be keeping you from losing weight because you're spiking your glucose and your blood sugar so high first thing in the morning and you're inflaming yourself first thing in the morning with that one choice, whether it's a granola bar or a crappy protein bar or you're driving through Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, whatever it is, that first choice in the morning can make or break your entire day. Last thing I'll touch on is the alcohol. I said this in another podcast and I piqued the interest of all of you in listening to Andrew Huberman break down how alcohol is detrimental to the body and what it does to your body and your brain. For the sake of this conversation, alcohol stops the fat burning process. So I was recently interviewed for a docu-series on aging, which you will see come out probably in another year. And they asked me to give my five tips to increase your metabolism and to fix your metabolism. And of course, you know, the first one was test and address thyroid dysfunction, free T3, reverse T3, test and address testosterone and hormones, because that's a key component with your metabolism, correct insulin resistance, because we just talked about that. You don't want to be a fat storing machine. 
And of course, we talked about lifting heavy shit, LHS, so you can have that GSD hormone testosterone. And last was the alcohol component. So I will be interviewing Kyle Gillette soon. I heard him talk about this too. I love, I always say this, I love it when other practitioners say something that I have said for years and then they say it. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're saying the same thing. It's so fun. And it's a backup for what I'm saying. I would rather, and Kyle said this too, I would rather have you drink five glasses of wine or tequila or whatever your preferred drink of choice is one night a week than one glass five nights a week. Because every time you drink, you are creating inflammation and you are stopping the fat burning process. And we don't know for how long. So in the beginning, I would say cut out alcohol completely because we really want to take the burden off of your body. We want your liver functioning properly because remember the liver is a key component of your metabolism. That's why I came out with Liver Fixer because that's so important for ongoing support of the liver. Everything that we're exposed to on a daily basis from the air you breathe, the water you drink, the foods that you eat, unless you're living in a bubble and you're growing your own produce and you're raising your own cows, you do not have 100% certainty that there's not hormones and pesticides and whatever else in there. You just don't know. So your liver has to process that food. You can do your best, but you don't know. And your liver still has to work. The supplements that you're taking, as great as they are for your body, they still have to be processed through the liver. The medications that you're taking, the hormone replacement still has to be processed through the liver. So we want your liver functioning very, very well. Why pound it with alcohol? Especially when you're in the very beginning and we're building your metabolism up from the ground. We're building your metabolism up literally from the basement, trying to get it going again and get that fire going again. If you are pounding your liver with alcohol, even weekly in the beginning, I don't recommend it. Do you want a metabolism or not? Do you want to hit your goals or not? You can give up alcohol for a month or two. I promise you, you can. Grab some club soda, pop a lime in it. Nobody will know the difference. Get an NA beer. Just eliminate the alcohol for a couple of months just to reduce that inflammation and help your liver to process better. And that's going to help you with losing weight. That's going to help you with brain clarity. That's going to help you with hormones. You don't want to be walking around with a fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver too. I've seen a lot of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and it has nothing to do with the person over drinking, but every drink that they have is just contributing to the elevated liver enzymes. So let's eliminate alcohol. And then after we maybe reach our goals, then you can move it back to one glass per week. Just one, you know, one, two, or one, one day per week. How about that? You can have a couple glasses, a couple drinks, just do it one day per week, have fun, and then chill the rest of the week and cut it out. All right, that is my, my tips, my tricks of eating. They're, they're pretty simple, right? They're pretty simple, but I think it helps to hear them and to lay it out in a step-by-step fashion. And you can implement this protein, one gram per pound of body weight, minimum of 80 grams. If you're not hitting 80, you better add in a bone broth protein shake. You better add in a scoop of my collagen fixer because that's going to add nine grams. You better add some stuff in to bump up that protein intake. We want fats to come in naturally. We want you to decide by looking at your labs, whether or not you are insulin resistant, or if I told you you're insulin resistant, that is going to determine your carbohydrate intake. Now, let me just touch on that real quickly before I let you go back to the carbs, because I know they can get really confusing. 
many people have purchased a keto mojo and they want to see if they are actually getting into a state of ketosis, i.e. fat burning. And so many of you are like, but I, I'm not getting there. And I've been under 20 grams for three weeks now. It, it can take some people months to switch from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. If you've been insulin resistant or be, if you've been a sugar burner for a long time, it is very probable and possible that it will take you two to three to four months to actually get readings on that ketone meter and to get your body to shift over from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. Because remember, and I'm tying in the liver into this, we store glucose in the liver. So if you have been running on glucose and your glycogen tanks are full and your liver is full of sugar, and this is where we see fatty liver disease, by the way, it's caused by high insulin levels and high sugar intake, more so than alcohol, then you're going to have to do something about that and grab some patience as your body shifts from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. But your first step is to eliminate the carbohydrates. Now you can start by going under 50 grams of carbs. I have no problem going under 50 and actually getting, I mean, some people can even do 75 grams of carbs and still get into ketosis. That is where you are becoming more metabolically efficient meaning you can handle a higher amount of carbohydrates and still be a fat burning machine. You are fat adapted. There are multiple sayings in this space for fat adapted, metabolically efficient, whatever it is, you've made that shift over. And now your body can handle more things, different things. It can handle a little bit higher carbohydrate intake. It can handle a cheat day or a vacation day. That's how my body is. I spring right back into ketosis, even after going off the rails. But until you make it there, it might take you a couple of months. Don't get frustrated. Just stay consistent. You might have to do a couple of days of carnivore. You might have to drop your carbohydrates below 20 a few days. Do some carbohydrate cycling. Do my keto for the week program where you are low, low, low through the week and you come up one day on the weekend. And that is sometimes enough to force you into that state of fat burning and push you from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. So just stay patient with it. Don't get frustrated. All right, hopefully that helps you implement these things. I know food is a big component backslash small component, right? It's you're not going to fix a thyroid problem by changing your diet if you need T3, if you're on T4 only, if your reverse T3 is high, you know, all those things over here that we need to treat therapeutically with the proper medication and the dose and proper supplementation to bring down insulin, all of that has to happen over on this side. While the nutrition, which you're putting in your face, what you're putting in your mouth has to ho happen over on this side. And they have to work together because one doesn't work without the other. So again, going back to, and I want to reiterate this, I can give you thyroid medication, hormone replacement therapy. I can bring your numbers up to optimal. But if you are eating like absolute shit, if you are putting carbohydrates and processed foods in your body that spike your insulin and your glucose, you are not going to progress, period. End of story. If you're not getting in the protein, you're not going to progress. You're going to lose muscle. If you're not getting in the good fats, you're not going to progress. If you're taking in alcohol, you're not going to progress. All of that has to happen in conjunction with thyroid treatment, with the supplements, with the medication, with the hormones. So just do it all together. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. 
Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right. I hope to see you soon.